This is the Lamplight Radio Play. Everyone in my town knew about my father. How eight years ago, he got in a drunken fight, got stabbed in the leg, and shot the other man dead. They also knew how he spent the next two years getting drunker and drunker until he drove his truck off the road into a ravine and died. Everyone knew. Everyone. That included the son of the man that my dad killed, the former star of the football team who had been way too cool for me before all this happened. Brian. Holy crap, Brian. Did you? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we never talked about that. How's your back? Totally fine. That was great. <laughs> Tonight, we were in the Tarnoff's basement. It was empty. The house had been on the market for weeks now. We jimmied open the back door. Now we're laying on the blankets on the floor. A battery-powered lantern in the corner, casting shadows that twisted the walls. You see the wet bar over there? Mr. Tarnoff loved it. He'd let us come over here and drink. I wish you'd been there. You'd have loved it. That doesn't sound like my scene. That's what I mean. It wasn't anyone's scene. You'd cracked up. He'd come down and mix us drinks and have these man-to-man talks with us about when he was young and cool. Mixed drinks in high school? Right. It was always just so awkward. I didn't do that stuff in high school. I know. It still would have been fun to have you there. And speaking of mixed drinks, I brought a treat. I can't. Working at night. Uh, who's going to know? Oh, I actually got to go now. It's almost 11. Uh, uh, tomorrow? Sure. Where? Uh, Schrader's store, maybe? Ooh, adventurous. I like it. I got to go. See ya. No one knew that Brian and I were seeing each other. He was 26 and I was 24. But for the past four months, we'd been sneaking around like high schoolers after curfew. We had lots of choices. Because every year, more dairy farms went bankrupt. So every month, a few more houses were on the market. I, I don't think hey, Wyatt. Hey, Annalise. I work the night shift in the bakery. It's me and Wyatt mixing and decorating while the town sleeps so their cakes and cookies are fresh in the morning. Wyatt is 18 and has been helping me for the past month or so, since he got out of rehab after a heroin overdose, actually. But I like him. He's working on his 90-day chip. This is the nightly phenomenon. The phones are open. Call us with your paranormal experiences, theories, and... Are you talking aliens or ghosts? They actually just played a recording of Bigfoot's speech. You missed it. Where are you on Bigfoot? I believe in everything but ghosts. Uh, So there's a birthday cake for Mrs. Murphy. I'm getting the French bread started. Thanks. I believe in ghosts. Why? Ghosts make sense. People die and leave things unfinished. Uh, Did the half sheets get moved? I don't know. Check the front rack. You ever see your dad after he died? Like, in a dream, or waking up to him by your bed or What? No. Would you want to? Absolutely. What about you and your mom? Yeah, I saw her once or twice. I guess. What? Where? Still looking for those hot sheets. Hey, right next to you. Look at that. Like I said, 
I like I it. Call her Zip Hours later, as we're doing the dishes, he says, Hey, when we finish up, you should come by my grandma's house. Why? There's something I want to show you. Only takes five minutes. It's one of my grandma's weird things. Yeah, okay. Even rubbed out towns have their rich people. And ours was Wyatt's grandmother, Grace Magellan. She lived in this enormous brick house that looked right out of the Civil War, but it was the pond out back that really made her famous. Decades ago, her eight-year-old son drowned in it, and for as long as I can remember, it's been rumored to be haunted. Teens would go party there, occasionally come back with ghost stories until she built a wall around the entire property. The stories didn't go away, though. Today, the only people living in the house are Grace and Wyatt. Wyatt's mom died a few years back. Cancer. The sun was just rising when we got to Wyatt's house. The inside of Grace's mansion wasn't nearly as lavish as I expected. Wipe off your feet. The furniture was old. Sure. The TV was a bulky set with a cable box on the top. Frame photos covered the walls. Wyatt led me to an office in the back of the house. Keep your voice down. She's asleep. I thought old people woke up early. She stays up all night with them. Who? You ready for this? Yeah. These people. He points to the photos on the walls. There are photos of Grace standing by herself from the past decades, standing around the pond. And most of them, her skin was pale and blue, washed out from a camera flash. This is the best one. He taps another photo of Grace. Looks no different from the others. Who took these? I did. Well, my mom took some of them before she died. They can't hold a camera, you know? Growing up, I thought they were real people. I don't see anyone. Really? Well then... He rummages through a drawer. I glance out the window, notice this old woman walking up from the pond. She's carefully carrying a tea set with her frazzled hair, like, glowing in the morning sun. Um, your grandma's coming in from outside. Shit. Here. He pulls out an old, leather-bound book that looks like a journal and shoves it in my hands. Take this home, read it, and we'll talk. Let's get you out of here before she sees. It was all so ridiculous, hiding from an old woman. But my heart was pounding as I raced out the front door to my car. When I got home, I stretched out on my bed and I opened the book. It was Grace Magellan's diary, and it covered about two years from the late 1950s, starting a few months after her son Eric had died. Grace wasn't doing well. For starters, she hated anyone who had living children, which seemed to be basically everyone she knew. But also, she visited a fortune teller. She went to some sketchy shop in the city, and then she was furious that a potion she had bought was a fake. She seized about frauds who refused to help her, who pretended it was impossible. But on May 3rd, 1959, she wrote this. It seems the ad may have worked, and I am hopeful that I have found a real one. He proved his skills by sending a fetch to our clock all the way from his home in Oakland. I put the check in the mail this afternoon. After that, there's no mention of the spell until 11 months later. She writes, The trick from Oakland didn't work. Instead, we have a beautiful girl we named Lisa Michelle, and I'm confident that I will love her very much. 
the only thing I put together was Lisa Michelle was Wyatt's mom. Without meaning to, I had read the entire journal in one sitting. I was getting myself ready to get some sleep when Brian called. He didn't like to text. It could give away our secret. Hey, I'm getting ready for bed. I called in sick. You want to meet me at Caleb's house? Him and his girlfriend are in Madison all weekend for Taylor Barrow's wedding. I haven't slept yet. Come on, you can sleep there. We'll have the whole house to ourselves. We can even use a bed. Mmm, sounds romantic. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, you aren't asleep, are you? No. What you thinking about? The Magellans. Yeah. Can't believe Taylor Barrow's getting married. I mean, Taylor Barrow. Why not? All his theater crap in high school, I guess. So? I thought he was gay as all. Well. I mean, who knows? Maybe he is. I don't know if you saw, there was a memorial on Facebook. His brother shot himself last year. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah, some people shouldn't own guns. I need to sleep. Do you think suicide is murder? Why are we talking about guns and murder? I think we should be able to talk about the things that matter. I looked him in the eyes. They looked very blue against the white pillowcase. I never really got to look at his eyes in high school. He's my father, and I still miss him. You miss living with a murderer? I knew you'd do this someday. Hey, I, I don't blame you. You're not responsible for his crimes, but look what he did to my family. Self-defense isn't a crime. You're right. We shouldn't talk about it. Little late for that. You know, for what it's worth, I consider you and your mom his victims as much as my family. Brian! The next day at work with Wyatt. Here's that book back. Yeah, about that. My grandma's invited you over after work. Why? What'd you tell her? Nothing. I guess she just figured it out. She does that sometimes. Um, okay. Should I be worried about going over there? No, you'll be fine. You should give the book back yourself, though. Right. Grace Magellan was still up, even though it was almost 5 o'clock and still dark. Thank you for coming over. She led me to her formal living room. She brought in some tea and some weird cookies. Wyatt told me about the car wreck. How's your back? It's mostly healed. I still have to be careful, but I, I think I'll be able to go back to college in the spring. And how's Brian? Good, I guess. I, I don't see him much. Oh, very good. Before we get to why I asked you here, I understand why it gave you something of mine? Yes, I have it here. I wasn't going to keep it. Did you read it? I did, but I didn't understand most of it. Wyatt never really understood it either. What did you understand? Uh, after your son died, you tried a spell to bring him back, but it didn't work. Like I said, I didn't really understand it. Yes, he died when he was eight. He drowned in the pond out back. Sorry to hear that. The spell wasn't to resurrect him, but that I would get pregnant and the baby would be Eric reborn. And shortly after doing it, I got pregnant. But the baby was Lisa. 
which was also a blessing. But a few years later, I was playing with our dog in the pond, and that night I heard Eric's voice outside calling me. I thought I was hearing things, of course, but after several hours of this, I went outside and I could hear him down by the pond. I rushed to the water and there he was, just as fine and as healthy as he could be. And I realized he wasn't alone. There was half the town's dead behind him. So, if you've seen me hosting a party by the lake, that's who I'm hosting it for. So... Is my dad there? All you have to do is drink some of the water from the pond and we'll see what you see. Think it over for a few days. Take your time. Now, I have my hosting duties that I need to attend to, if you'll excuse me, and thank you for coming over. Thanks. I'm in. Okay, let's go visit the pond. The pond was surrounded by mowed grass and a couple massive willows. She led me towards the water, picked a teacup and saucer up from a tray that was resting on a table. She dipped the cup in the water, placed it back on the saucer, and handed them to me. It only takes one sip. It tasted like pond water. Did it work? I was going to ask you the same thing. Mom, who's this? Eric, this is my friend Annalise. She's a friend of Wyatt's, too. Hi. Are you alive? Yeah, I am. Oh, nice to meet you. We were suddenly in the middle of a party. I recognized many of them. Miss Newton, my first grade teacher. Bradley Karen, a track star who dropped dead from an undiagnosed heart defect during his senior year. And then another woman walked up, who looked just like Wyatt, his mom. You Roger's daughter? How old are you? 24. You should be going to real parties. Lisa. Then I noticed a rugged blonde man in a flannel shirt, Brian's dad. And then... Annalise. It was shocking how familiar his voice was. Dad! I wrapped my arms around him and squeezed as hard as I could. He was solid, but wasn't warm, like hugging a soft mannequin. How? I'm glad you came. God damn, look at you. You're a goddamn adult now. <laughs> Beautiful. What have you been doing? No, 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 me first. Here, come on, let's sit. I, I heard you hurt your back in an accident. Yeah, but it's better now. Almost he grilled me for now. the next 10 minutes until the sky started to turn blue. <laughs> All right. It's my bedtime. Oh, come on. I don't get to ask you anything. I know. I know. Come back tonight. And bring Brian with you. Brian? His father wants to see him. He couldn't handle this in a million years. Just bring him. I'll do what I can. See you tonight. I gave him another hug. He was still cold. Did you mean to drive off the road? <sighs> I don't know. I meant to get very drunk, and I knew that I'd be driving. Okay. He was starting to fade in the sunlight, 
like a reflection on a window. Bye, Dad. Bye, any girl. As I walk through Grace's house, I stop to look at the photos on her wall. No way. Now, standing next to Grace, I could see the other people in the photo with her. Mostly, they stood with stale, awkward smiles. In Wyatt's favorite photo, there were five people making funny faces, but like they're dead. You know, like tongues out, head drooping onto their shoulders. While Grace stood in the middle and laughed. <laughs> Make sure you try the wine. It's a special blend. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> to get Brian to come with me, I told him that Grace remembered him from his football days and wanted to give him something. As I was telling Annalise, your father built a fountain on the property here and I realized you'd probably never seen it. You must miss your father. Sure, but um, I actually don't like to talk about him very much. Why? I don't know. All right, let's go out back. It was still dusk when we went out back. And when we arrived at the pond, there was no one there. It was just the three of us. So where's the fountain? There's something I want to show you first. <laughs> okay. Now you've brought the football hero. Whoa. Lisa, please. I didn't see you. Um, hi, I'm Brian. Lisa, you don't need to listen to her, you know. She's right about that, Brian. I'm not holding you here. Have fun. Who was that? And where did... Whoa. Danny Ruiz, who died in a boating accident on graduation night, walked out of the lake. Okay. <laughs> okay, that looks like Danny. Remember all the stories about the pond being haunted? It's kind of true. The dead can come here, and we can talk to them. No, you're messing with me. Then Brian's dad walked out of the water in front of us. Hey, bud. I don't, I don't understand what's happening. I'm here at Grace's Pond. You're real? Real enough. I'm sorry, why the hell is he here? He saw my dad come out of the lake. Hey, you, get out of here. Whoa, whoa, take a breath, buddy. He's not doing anything. But no, he, he shouldn't be where you are. Just calm it down a moment. I'm not falling for this and he walked off. Hey, hold up. Is this your revenge for our fight or something? What? No. If you're not in on it, then you're falling for it. Hey, stop, stop. Take a moment, think about it. All these people who swore they saw ghosts here? No, uh-uh. Now I know they're fucking with you. I follow Brian's gaze, and I see his dad, standing next to my dad. They have their backs to us, but his dad is obviously upset. They lean their heads together. They don't look like friends. They look married. Fuck all of you! All the ghosts turn to look at us. Our dads quickly separate, but Brian's already storming off. I let him go. He saw us, huh? Yeah, we both did. He just needs some time. I know. Is this new? 
Like since the pond? No, no. We'd been together for a few years the night he died. It was my fault. I was mad and drunk. We both did stupid things. Like... Wow. Are you okay with this? Yeah, I'm okay. But I need to come back tomorrow. So on the one hand, I didn't care. <laughs> but on the other, I found myself revisiting my entire childhood. Sometimes thinking, oh, that's why he did that. And other times going, was my whole childhood a lie? But in the end, it was my dad. I came back the next night, and almost every night that September. Brian did not come back. He broke up with me the next morning, in a text. Just, I can't see you anymore. Before I knew it, it was almost Halloween. Wyatt and I were making black cat sugar cookies, making orange frosting for pumpkin cupcakes. Hey, turn that off and check this out. What's up? 90-day chip. Nice! So how do you celebrate that? By leaving this town. Car is packed, I called the owners. Lord help me, this will be the last time I stay up till sunrise, ever. So you're leaving tonight? Yep, gonna stay with an uncle in New Jersey, find a job. I'll miss you. When are you leaving? Your back's all healed up, right? Pretty much. I don't know. I want to talk to my dad some more. Pond's gonna freeze up soon. Uh, but they'll stop coming before then. The colder the water gets, the harder it is for them to come through. I noticed it was less crowded. By Thanksgiving, for sure. Well, let's try to get you out early. Hey, congrats. Thanks. After we finished and I said a final goodbye to Wyatt, I went back to the pond. It was brisk. The occasional gust of wind cut through my hoodie. Dad! Are you there? Also, none of the party guests were there. It was just me. Dad? Lisa, Wyatt's mom, walked out of the lake. Hey there. Hi. I hear Wyatt's leaving tomorrow. How's he doing? Yeah, he is. And he's doing well. He didn't tell you? No, he doesn't come here anymore. Oh. I'm sorry. It's all right. He grew up coming by this lake, and then he stopped coming, and it seems like he's doing better. He does miss you. Yeah, I think so, too. But it's you guys' turn now. Whew, I used to like this time of year. If you want, I'll tell Wyatt you said goodbye. But she had disappeared. I looked up at the house. Grace was coming with her tea set. A coldness rose up inside me. For a moment, I literally thought I was standing in the water. Dad, are you coming tonight? Go. Dad, was that you? Go. Dad? Go. You can go. Okay, Dad. Love you. That was Small Town Immortals based on the story by Valerie Alexander, found in Volume 6, Issue 1. Annalise was Grace Bosley, Brian was Aaron Veach, Wyatt, Austin Heemstra, Grace Magellan played by Marley Kendell, 
Lisa was Miriam Katz. Annalise's dad, Roger, played by Dean Cameron. Brian's dad, Greg Ivan Smith. The radio caller, Jeffrey Williams. And the radio host was a special cameo by Jack Ward, audio writer, producer, director, and founder of the Sonic Society, Electric Vacuna Productions, and now Mutual Audio Network. Adapted and produced by Andrew Wardlaw. The line that caught me when I first read this story was, everyone is immortal in a small town. I grew up in a small town. I listened to its stories and immediately related to this. We tell these stories at barbecues and church functions. We pass them down from generation to generation, so much so that the people who came before are as much of the community as those who live there now. We know these stories better than we know the people. And what haunts a small town isn't always truth. You can find more stories like this in the pages of Lamplight Magazine. You can get a subscription on our website and we'll send ebooks to your inbox or Kindle. I'm Jacob Haddon, editor of Lamplight Magazine, the radio plays produced by Andrew Wardlaw and myself. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or direct on the website, lamplightmagazine.com. See you next time.